0: it's show 46 of the rim pro report today we'll be talking to mike sullivan of automated record center and as always we'll be catching you up with the latest industry news this show is sponsored by our good friends at o'neill software I've said it before, and I'll tell you again that their upcoming conference is uh, getting closer, September 15th and 16th. Besides all the cool software stuff and the networking that happens, and that's all great, uh, the thing I love a a ton about the O'Neill Conference is the Record Center Challenge. You never know what it's going to be. It's always a surprise, but it's always a blast and raises a ton of money for a great cause. And this year will be no different. So if you're interested, you can learn more at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, it's hot it's July, and it's showtime, so here we go. Welcome to the RIM Rim R- 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 Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry.
1: Bustling with news.
0: Views. Here's what I believe.
1: And the latest
0: updates. The This show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews.
1: Yes. And a cast of industry characters included.
0: Yes. Record Center Operators.
1: Shred and destruction vendors.
0: Media and electronic vaulters.
1: Scanners and imaging providers.
0: Take note, this show is for you.
1: Now here's your host,
0: Tom Adams. Yep, 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 yep. It's me, and I am glad to be with you despite the heat. And if you're in North America, many of you have been feeling it. If you're in the southern hemisphere, well, you're probably enjoying the cool right now. Ah, yeah! Uh, Alrighty then. Well, not sure if uh, just from listening, if you can tell who's in the studio with us today, a man who is truly passionate about what he does, apparently his love for animals, his detective skills, his personality and a strange hairdo are due to a mutated chromosome, which runs in his family. Well, you know, he's in San Diego for the weekend in search of a wild rhinoceros that escaped from the famous San Diego Zoo. And he sent me an email earlier and asked if he could drop in on the show. Of course. I said yes. We love interesting guests on the show. And so, sir, I'll let you introduce yourself to those who don't know you. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Well, Mr. Ventura... It's a pleasure to have you here on the Rim Pro Report today. I'll let you and everyone else know that we're going to be talking to Mike Sullivan of Automated Record Center today, and we're going to catch you up on the industry news. But uh, you're here, and so, yes, uh, Ace, uh, let's talk about what makes you the great uh, pet detective.
2: I'll have you know I have the reflexes of a cat.
0: And the speed of a mongoose. But you're only human. I I can't even believe that you have the reflexes of a cat or the speed of a mongoose. Denial can
1: be an ugly thing.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not trying to offend you but I'll have to see it for myself. I, I will have to see if you've got those skills.
2: Oh, righty then.
0: Well, no, 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 not not right now, this second. Uh, we can't have that happening in the studio. We have all this equipment here, and you know, you're gonna trip and fall and uh, despite your, your capabilities. So rumor has it that you're in search of that rhino that escaped from the San Diego Zoo. So how close exactly are you to finding it? We have no more suspects or clues, but I have instincts, Spike. And my instincts tell me we're getting closer. Well, it's not Spike and... Uh, oh, 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 is that... it? D- did I see a rhino across the street from the studio? Oh, uh, look, look out the window there, man.
1: Oh, man! Can you believe it? It was right
0: there! Hey, hey, Ace, 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 the rhino's getting away. It's getting away. looks like it's chasing a small dog. If I'm not back in five minutes... Just wait longer. Wait, wait, wait. Not a good idea. You, you can't just leave in the middle of the show. Of course. How selfish of me. Let's do all the things that you want to do. <laughs> well, it, it's my show. You have to be on my show. And you can't just come and then leave chasing a rhino just because it's out there. Well, uh, let me ask you a few more questions. Because as I was watching the rhino you know, run down the street, it, it seems weird that a large rhino would be chasing... A small... Uh, wait wait! Two small chihuahuas down the street. They're, they're not unusual here in San Diego. Uh, are rhinos usually aggressive towards other small animals like that?
2: I've never seen them act like that before.
0: Well how strange. You know what? Ah uh, you might as well just go. You look like you're, you're pretty intense about wanting to get out of here. Good luck with capturing the rhino. There's still one more thing I must do before I go. Well what's that? Yeah let me know. <laughs> well... Uh, okay thank you ace it was great talking to you please come by again uh next time you're searching for wild animals and good luck finding that uh seriously cool rhino
2: hey maybe i'll give you a call sometime your number's still 911 Oh righty
0: yeah well bye good luck with all that hey you know i gotta get to the news so uh here we go <music> Yes, well, here's the news. It's July, and uh, here's the news. Uh, Pet detective dude, Ace Ventura, kind of messed my head up there. He's running out the door now, and uh, there's no rhino. I was just messing with his head. Hey, Lock and Store, these are some acquisitions. Lock and Store, the UK self-storage group, has bought Surrey-based Saracen data store for a price of 4 million pounds cash. Yay. Uh, that for the year ending December 31st, 2010, Saracen achieved a uh, looks like a turnover of 1.6 million and an EBITDA of 0.4 million. So nice work on that. So looks like they sold at 10 times EBITDA. Whoa. <laughs> My math is working for me today. Leo Kane, the current managing director of Saracen, who has been with the business since 95, has retained a significant stake and will continue to run the business. So congrats to Leo and a lock and store. And you know what? I'm going to try and get Leo on the line uh, on the show in the next couple of weeks and talk to him. That sounds really cool. It looks like Recall has acquired Itella document storage business in Finland. Itella is actually owned by the Finnish government and operates in 15 countries, but it looks like Recall didn't buy the whole deal. It looks like it just acquired the physical document storage business just in Finland and that will add to their already solid presence in Europe. So congratulations to recall on that. Toledo, Ohio-based AccuShred, which is in the Information Destruction and Electronics Recycling, uh, has acquired Temperance Michigan-based Metro Sh- Secure Shred, which is a mo- mobile document shredding company and effectively doubling its fleet of shred trucks. So congrats to Nate Siegel and the team at AccuShred. On this purchase, Mark Seeger, who is the president of the acquired Metro Secure Shred, will join and stay with the AccuShred team where he'll serve as an information security consultant. So congratulations to them. That's pretty cool. Hey, there was a great article uh, this week, earlier this week about metrophile in the financial mail which seems to be south africa's uh, main business news uh, provider the article talks about metrophiles recovery from insolvency which was created by the debt it had incurred from its former parent company mgx at that point, its investors could purchase shares at ten cents. That was about seven years ago. Needless to say, those investors who purchased early have been rewarded highly for their investment. As of today, I looked at the uh, the, the South African Stock Exchange, and their share price was at two hundred and three rand, and that's the uh, South. African currency per share. So holy smokes, that's pretty cool returns for them. Iron Mountain has announced that Ted Antonucci, who is the president and CEO of Catalyst Development Corporation, has joined its board of directors. Antonucci becomes Iron Mountain's 12th director. Richard Reese said that, uh, that Ted was chosen ultimately for experience in real estate acquisition operations and capital allocation. Antonucci, who is 46, wow. Um, became president and CEO of private real estate firm Catalyst Development in March 2011. So just earlier this year, additionally, in June uh, 2000 year, he served dual role as president and chief financial officer or chief investment officer of Prologis positions he assumed in 2007 prior to these roles Antonucci served from 2005 to 2007 as president of global development for Prologis an industry real estate investment trust so it looks like iron has uh, added him to their board for the real estate investment trust stuff that seems to be um, they have responded to in terms of what happened earlier in the year Hey, Google has made some significant changes this last week. In our web development and marketing support work that we do, we have seen a ton of things happen in the last few weeks. But this actually relates to Google's plans for personal health records called Google Health It appears to be on its last legs. In withdrawing the personal health system, Google says that Google Health didn't scale as they had hoped, and they observed that Google Health is not having the broad impact that they had hoped it would. Well, from my perspective, it looks more like it didn't create any revenue for them, and I suspect the utter complexity of the healthcare record sector had much more to do with it than Google even uh, lets on. But, so, uh, yeah, Google's, canning Google Health but I'm tracking this other thing that Google's doing right now it's called the Google Plus system and Google Plus is a social media system and it's launched to compete with Facebook and Twitter and just this week they started letting out invites to that to see how it worked and uh, it's gonna be interesting to watch because social media up until this point has been sort of stuck in the realms of unique sites like Facebook and Twitter and sort of the apps that surround that, but Google is actually integrating their Plus system in their entire network, from analytics through search, through everything, through social interaction and networking, through their photo sites, you name it, it Google Plus is going to touch it, and it's kind of reinventing the way Google is doing things, and uh, lots of stuff happening in that world. Now I'll be watching out for you on that one and pass that on as I learn more. So that's an interesting addition uh, this week from Google as well as a subtraction. Finally, ARMA International is open registration for its 56th annual conference and expo to be held in October of 2011 at the Gaylord National Hotel and Conference Center in National Harbor, Maryland, which is just outside of Washington, (laughs) D.C. Yes, yes, really. I'm going to get Mike on the line. Hang on a second. I'm excited today to have Michael Sullivan on the show. Michael runs Automated Records in State College, Pennsylvania, and I am glad to welcome him to the RIMPRO Report today. Mike, are you there? I am, Tom. Hey, glad to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk to you because I know uh, from watching you and listening to you, I know even at the uh, conference at PRISM this last May, you were a featured speaker, and I, I know you're doing some cool stuff. So tell me a little bit about your company, and then I want to hear a little bit about some of the cool stuff you're doing.
2: Sure. Well, we're, um, I guess, considered a small market uh, record center. Uh, we're based in central Pennsylvania, so we don't have uh, the large cities to um, draw from, but we have multiple uh, small markets. And we're doing some pretty cool things, not only on the hard copy uh, side of the business, but we're now, I think, encompassing a broad base of uh Storing storing the records, to imaging, to shredding the documents, providing uh, media vault storages as well as uh, data backup, uh, remote data backup as well.
0: So you're really offering the full package of services that that a a a Rim service company would be offering.
2: Yeah, I I think we are, and I say finally uh, we are because we didn't start out that way. Actually, um, the company we started out in the moving, I started out in the moving and storage industry. Looking for that special niche and discovered it back in 1997 as we started getting into the storage of hard copy records for our clients. And it really wasn't until 2004 that we really started to expand on our services and broaden our, our line of offerings to each of the areas I just discussed.
0: So, um, are you still in the moving business?
2: No. Okay. Uh, Actually, I I sold the moving business in 2006, but it was back in 2004 where I started recognizing that um, the business model I had, the lifestyle, um, that I wanted to make some some changes and fairly drastic changes. Uh, For those people that know the moving and storage industry, kind of a crazy racket. Yeah, uh, like you, you spend you know five to seven months a year just running like crazy. Yeah, and you spend another five months kind of recouping and gearing up for those seven months again. So, from a business standpoint, um, you know, we start out the first four months uh, losing a lot of money. And then hmm. we make it all back and then some, hopefully, uh, during the next seven months.
0: And that can be uh, completely draining on your on your system, I would think.
2: Well, it's it's exhausting, uh, particularly when you know I love the summertime. I love to be outdoors. I love to run and uh, be very uh, very active.
0: Yeah, you're a marathon yeah. man, aren't you?
2: I do a little bit of marathon running as well. I've heard and, that. I've uh,
0: heard you've done like 80, 800 marathons in your life or something.
2: Well, it wasn't 800, but it's somewhere more <laughs> in the realm of about 30. But,
0: <laughs> oh, uh, 30. 3,800, they're all the same.
2: Maybe. If you're I crazy enough to that. run
0: like that far on a, on a race, then you're crazy.
2: Well, I think it just falls into my... Um, yeah, my makeup. I, I love to be active. I love to compete, and um, I love to be challenged.
0: So the and moving uh, the moving business didn't quite do that for you.
2: Well, it did, but what I found was, you know, we can work hard, uh, but is there enough time to play hard? Right. And we worked incredibly hard in an industry where the rewards just don't um, you know justify the means. So. As I started to say earlier, I, I, I got into the moving business looking for a niche, because when I got into the moving business, was back in the late 1980s. Yeah. And it was a family business that was extremely operations-driven. And in the market, this is where we were. I just looked at that and said, well, there's a tremendous amount of potential, because they haven't even started to tap um, you know, a lot of corporate accounts and opportunities that were out there, simply because they didn't market. Many many in the moving industry always you know, just relied on the fact that uh, they had trucks, they had a specialized service and they had an ability to do things that, you know, the ordinary person uh, didn't. Um, but again, very operations-driven. You kind of hung your hat on that. And we, I got when I came into the business, I really focused on building relationships more on the corporate side
1: okay. and, building,
2: and building the business in that way. So it was fun because I come from a marketing background. I mean, my, my studies in school, I had uh, graduated from Penn State back in the mid-'80s in marketing and management. And the marketing was the piece that I really gravitated towards. So to be able to take some of uh, that knowledge and start implementing it. I was able to see some significant um, results very quickly in the moving business because it was all new to us.
0: Yeah, okay. So bringing it back into the current world, so we've got a sense of where you've come from, we've got a sense of uh, the stuff you're doing, but I guess what I'm, I'm looking and, and wanting to hear from you is uh, with what you're doing right now is there a secret of success is there something that you're learning or something that you're implementing or something that you're doing right now that's particularly exciting to you or you feel has really been a, a catalyst to really moving you off of sort of stasis or s- staying in a place that that just you're you're existing you're doing something cool tell me a little bit about that
2: yeah well I think I think what it really comes down to is Finally, and again, after having sold the moving business, the whole uh, point there was to move into the, the records management industry and do it in a, in a bigger way. Yeah. And the, my whole idea was to learn how to really work on my business, not in my business. Okay. And once I really grasped what that meant and started to implement some of the changes that we needed to make, that's when it really became fun. And it really became fun on fun on a whole lot of levels. Uh, one profit, profits uh, jumped considerably. Um, my time spent in the business became much more focused, and uh, we started seeing just some drastic results in the way we were approaching our business. And from a lifestyle standpoint too, I was doing the things that I absolutely loved again. And I just go back to the moving business just for a moment, because as I grew that business, I went from front end sales and marketing to that we were so big that I was constantly in the back room putting out fires, right. uh, making, you know, doing things that constantly needed to be done to enhance where we we're going. But it really drew me away from where, where I really wanted to be. Right. So I committed to myself when I got into records management on a full time basis that I was going to build a model that truly worked uh, for me. And not just for me, but for all the people that I would incorporate into the organization.
0: Yeah, so so you oh. said you said one thing, though, that I just want to make sure I go back and understand, because it's I, I think it's become so much of a cliche term now, but it's really effectively done something for you, and that is work on the business, not in the business. Uh, how did you sort of make that, how did you flesh that out? How did that become a reality for you? Because it's easy to sort of spend one day a year in some kind of strategic thinking and go, I've worked on my business. Um, how did you do it in such a way that you get the results you just talked about, which is better profits, uh, time to play like you want to play, to run your marathons, all that kind of stuff, to make the kind of money that 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 you can make in this industry. But how, how did you translate that?
2: Well, it was interesting because I had to dig a little bit. You know, I, I talked to some people that I uh, highly respected just in my local community. Um, AccuWeather is a company that's worldwide. Yeah. You know, just even talking with, their um, CEO,
1: yeah.
2: and asking him, you know, how did he get to where he is, and asking him about, um, you know, writing a business plan and so on. He said, you know, he always had a business plan, but it was really, it was in his head. Oh, okay. And that's where my business plan had been for so many years. But I think if you work really, really hard and, you know, bring a lot of energy, that even in spite of some of the shortcomings, you can still be very, very successful. Right. I, I was committed to make sure that um, I was going to be. Successful, not my, just in my own right, but may, build a successful model and organization that my employees can really flourish in as well. Oh, okay. And so when I built this model, I looked at it first in terms of, you know, what are the key components to it? And obviously we have operations and finance and marketing and so on um, and sales. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think that really uh, worked for me was when I was ready and willing to acknowledge that. Marketing was a critical component to my business, not just a add on that, okay, gee, if our profits are such, then maybe we can throw some money at marketing to support our sales. Um, in fact, we took a completely different approach and said it's inherent that we have a strict uh, and comprehensive marketing plan to support our sales for the single reason that my background had been in sales, and I really felt like. I could build a model and be my number one salesperson. Right. So with this business, I really spent a lot of time uh, kind of strengthening our operations, so that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, I don't have to be entrenched in, in you know in, in the back room, in operations. I, but- I
0: think that's such a cool way of thinking because I, I I think it's it's where so many people uh, and in in what I see on a regular basis is. Is that tendency to get stuck in the back room, and really the highest, to me, the highest leverage point in your business is marketing. It's the place where you can turn turn huge um, results if you get it right.
2: Yeah, and I would say you know what, what's really important is for any entrepreneur or business owner or key um, you know, person in the company is to be willing to admit and acknowledge what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Because for me to be, you know, quote unquote, caught in the back room in operations, it truly is kind of being stuck back there because the operations, while I understand it well and can manage it, it's not my forte. So to put the right people in back there that can really flourish, that that's exactly what they do, um, that's what, in our case, that's what we needed to do. And me being more the marketer and the salesperson – I need to be out front. I need to be the face and uh, the ever-present uh, message, you know, messenger within our organization. Now, for other organizations, if the if the you know the leaders of that organization are not marketing or sales driven, well, then they need to be able to put the right people and right pieces in place to right. drive the marketing. Right. because it, again, it's not a um, you know an extra add-on. It's it's inherent and imperative that we have a strong marketing um, um, component to our organization. Yeah. But again, if, if their expertise is in the operations and then, then by all means, you know, get in, engage, embrace your operations yet go out and, and put the, the appropriate people in place that can really drive your marketing.
0: So let me, let me make sure I, I, I understand this and, and clarify it because I, I, I think the point is so incredibly important and that is, uh, make sure you understand the elements of the business that are critical to making it run, and and you you kind of delineated those in terms of operations, the difference between operations and sales and and marketing, and and I think what I've heard you say is you've gone then and al- you built the operations to support what needed to be done, but you've aligned yourself personally uh, in a way that produces the optimal results for your company.
2: Absolutely. And then I think we've taken it uh, even a step further by looking at you know what we have for resources and leveraging them to I think what we think are um, you know for maximum benefit. So yeah, in the past I've spent a lot of time out banging on doors, cold calling, doing your uh, you know picking up the phone and just dial, basically dialing for numbers. Yeah. to Try to get and get an appointment. And what we recognize as well is that um, if we really position ourselves meaning, you know, me and the company that uh we really by having a really strong marketing uh component to the organization that we can really tee up the sales opportunities. Oh yeah. So even as much as I like to sell, I don't want to spend a lot of time out there knocking on doors and cold calling and getting that, you know, one out of ten successes or one out of twenty, whatever the numbers may be in the varying ways. Really what we ultimately learned was that if we really took our marketing and positioned it in such a way that it really would set up our sales efforts, that we would see incredibly, um, you know, increased results. And in fact, that's what we've done. And then I think over time, we've really continued to hone and fine tune, um, you know, not just our message, but, you know, who our audience is, and then ultimately, how we deliver our message and in this day and age it's it's challenging because we're being asked you know to try to deliver that in so many different ways oh, but yeah. we we've really had to kind of hone in on and say you know, what are the you know five six or seven ways that are going to be produced the greatest results for us in terms of delivering our message yeah
0: well i i am uh, from f- as i have watched you i i have been incredibly impressed at the uh, the stuff you've been doing and uh, I'm going to encourage those who are listening right now just to even uh, go to your website and see some of the interesting stuff. I, I love your your um, your beer pouring um, YouTube video, and and I guess the thing that that's so appealing to me in what you're doing is that you have decided somewhere along the way that you that the, the uh, fun and interesting and unique and doing stuff in a slightly different way. Uh, did not diminish your your success. In fact, I, I, it looks like to me you you keep pouring it on, and um, and that that's so cool.
2: Yeah, I, I think what when the rubber kind of met the road for us was when we recognized that being professional and the best of what we do had to incor- We had to incorporate something a little bit different, a little bit unique. Right. Because for years we, you know, we did direct mail and number ten envelope, and you know we had, we got the results we got. But when we actually started trying to step out and be a little bit different, um, what we found was really what we're trying to do is um, gather attention. Yeah. Because after all, that's what we're trying to do. And we, I think we gather and we gain people's attention um, by doing things a little bit differently, a little bit unique, um, and at the same time we're building rapport with those things. So like for us to do a direct mail campaign now, we're sending out, uh, our latest is we're sending out Rubik's Cubes. And it's just, um, you know, we may start a letter out with, uh, while maybe puzzling to you where you could find, you know, where to find additional profits, It's it it can be a lot easier than trying to solve this Rubik's Cube. Right. But just some different things that, they, when when it shows up, it's not a number of envelopes, so they feel there's something in there, there's something yeah. substantial
0: it grabs their attention and it's exactly what you said your goal in marketing is to set up your sales and the only way you can set up sales is to have people's attention and to have them predisposed to talking and working with you in some way or another and you're doing that so much of the other stuff that passes people's desk gets lost in the shuffle where a Rubik's Cube uh, a bottle of beer the different kinds of stuff I I know you've been doing those things get noticed and they get responded to and uh, I, I think it's probably valuable to, to you know, be aware that just in doing those things themselves doesn't get you the result. It's how it ties in, is it not?
2: Absolutely. I mean, what, what you send out, you, you absolutely want it to tie back in to the purpose of your letter and the purpose of your presentation and so on. But really what we're finding are remarkable responses to our campaigns now because as we follow up our direct mail campaigns with our telemarketing, and I guess to be clear, you know, each one of our marketing uh, tactics now uh, tie into one another, where for years they really didn't. We had some people in the back room or even outsourcing telemarketing calls. And we had our salespeople doing cold calling on a whole other area of the organization. And then we had some girls in the office doing some direct mail campaigns. And none of them really tied together. All right. But really when we started to become more strategic and having our telemarketing follow up, direct mail campaigns, we started to see tremendous success with that. And what we recognized was we, we, you know, we would create what we thought was a really cool letter and a really cool gift. Yeah. And we would send it out, and we would get a lack of response. And we'd bang our heads against the wall trying to say, well, why isn't this thing working? Right. Why aren't people calling us with it? And by and large, you know, when we think about our own lives and busy schedules, we get a lot of things across our desk yeah. that are of interest to us. But we have other things that are just uh, pressing and taking um, taking the time. So we don't get to it. So it continually sits there. And I find that if I have somebody that sends me something and they follow up with a phone call, uh, even if not just once but twice, that I end up just like my customer. I'm like, yeah, I absolutely want to talk to you. I need to talk to you because I've been predisposed to what you have, they have to offer. Right. And so when we start thinking about our, you know, our prospects like us, it's only natural then we need to follow this up with a phone call well and, and it's
0: it's the beliefs too that that one and done will get people's attention and i i think I think that whole concept, if we have something valuable to offer and we believe that the people we're sending it to uh, will find meaning in it, then we can't assume that sending something to someone once will get the job done
2: well, without a doubt, you know we're still kind of testing do we send something and call. Send a second piece and call, uh, or do we send four or five pieces and then make the call? Right. We've had success with sending the four or five pieces, where we've actually had people, when we've gone in for an appointment, apologize to us for not having called us.
1: That's hilarious. But
2: they just knew from the level um, of marketing that we were doing that we we're sure to call. We were, we'd be sure to call them. Right. In fact, they were right with it, but. That just solidified for us then that we need to follow up everything that we do yeah. with a, with a phone call.
0: Yeah, and and, and I think the, the critical component you're suggesting is where you place your telemarketing. Uh, it's the follow-up sequence to a campaign. It's not the front end of a campaign or it's follow-up sequences within a campaign. Uh, but two points to me are one, you're campaigning, you're not sending sort of one shot deals, there's, there's campaign involved, and there's follow up involved, which sets up uh, the meetings. And uh, th- those are such, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're doing some really cool stuff. And uh, I am, uh, I, I'm really excited about it. any any sort of final thoughts in terms of of this whole evolution for you and, and more so less about the evolution, but more about how dramatic the results have been for you?
2: Well, I think one is regardless of what path you, you choose to take with it, you know, take action. Hmm. That often we feel like we have to make something perfect. We have to to create the ideal letter or postcard, whatever it may be. Um, but we, we feel like we have to create that before we can actually put it out And what we've found is you know getting in the game you know starting to participate, we're gonna start seeing uh, some successes and from there we can kind of hone the pieces and fine-tune what we're putting out there. But from a success standpoint, we just know now that we're absolutely on absolutely on the right track because we went from direct mail campaigns before where we were getting no response to maybe one or two percent yeah. Now, where we're actually getting, and now we're getting 40% response, and that's probably about an average. Now, when we say response rate, that means we're getting an appointment four out of ten
0: times. Yeah, and that that is profound because direct mail sequences and even the big dog marketers, if they get a two percent response, are blown away by it. Um, and that that is, you know, it it's not ultimately the response though that drives the business. That you know, response rates don't and meetings don't put money in the bank, but if you get enough meetings from a, a system that you're employing, you're going to see some really cool results. So way to go on that. That's fabulous.
2: No, I appreciate it. I guess the other point I would add to it is to uh, target your audience. Now, we used to do broad-based mailing. Yeah. And, for instance, we may take a whole chamber list and send out a direct mail campaign to them. And what we found in the end was a lot of frustration and Frustrated because people weren't calling. When we started looking at the list, we start recognizing that really there's only about 10 to 20 percent of those companies that we really um, were hoping to call. Those are the companies that we really wanted to do business with. So it's kind of like we felt before, like the kid in the candy store. Where you go in and you're so overwhelmed uh, because there's so much candy in there. But Target, you know, the best candies. Those are going to make you the happiest. Right. And right. go right after them. So. Rather than 2,000, you target those 100 companies. The reality is if those target if those 100 companies are the right companies and those 100 companies are the companies that are going to change the, the scope and the nature of your business, those are the 100 companies that are going to be worth spending the time you know, and investing and going after.
0: Yeah. So a, a very targeted uh, list of prospects that you continue to campaign to in order to achieve a result and get – So instead of sending thousands and thousands of letters, you're sending to 100 very targeted in a campaign format.
2: That's right. And what we find at the end of the day is we're actually spending slightly less money on these campaigns than what we were spending on the broad-based campaigns before, yet our return is virtually 40% um, greater.
0: (laughs) Yow! That is sweet.
2: Yeah, the only problem is it's one of those things where if I only knew then what I know now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, how big you could be. Oh, that's so cool. Well, Mike, I am uh, very appreciative of you sharing that with us. I, I could probably go on for hours with you because this is really cool stuff, but uh, I got a show to keep doing. So, hey, thanks for spending the time. I am, uh, I'm going to keep watching, see how you're doing, and uh, keep, us, keep us in the loop because I, I think what you're doing is really cool, and I think everyone who's listening can benefit from it. So, hey, uh, continued success, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Tom. Well, there you have it. That was a great one to listen to. Uh, That might sound familiar because we've actually interviewed Mike before. Uh, But Mike is uh, doing some really cool stuff, and I hope by listening to that, you get a sense of some ideas for yourself. So thanks, Mike, for your insights. And uh, I think he's got so many things he's doing, and what's so cool about Mike is he's implementing, he's actually making stuff happen. So good on you, man. B-E-A. Yep, that's what it is. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Ace. Looks like you had no luck with the missing rhino issue, so we're going to sign off and call it a day.
2: You know, I think there might be something to
0: this cookie line. Cookie? All the greatest anchors have had their own signature sign off. Yeah, like and that's the way it was, <laughs> and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and that's the way uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Aha. Uh-huh, ha! Uh-huh. Well, thank you, Ace. That was a wonderful way to end the show. Hey, as we finish the show, let me remind you that this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What impresses me about this company is, is all the stuff they do. Uh, The conference, which I've already mentioned to you, but their dedication to a great product, customer support and service, you know, and they keep coming out with with new additions and new updates to their stuff. And it's just perpetual. They've got a great team a great uh, tool and a great service to support you in your record center business. So if you're interested in learning more about them, why don't you head on over to O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for us for now. Uh, if you're going to be around next week, be sure to tune in. We'll let you know when the show's on. Don't forget, you can always just listen to the show and download it. And if you've got a smartphone of any kind and you have an iTunes uh, device, then you can you can actually automate the downloads and you can just listen to them as you're ready to and available to. So, hey, we're out of here. Thanks. Have a great week. Keep cool. You have a good one. Bye.